Welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. My name is Connor. I'm a chef and media producer. I am joined via Zoom uh, by Darren Lafferty. Darren, you doing all right, man? Well, look, it's five o'clock somewhere <laughs> and I'm taking advantage of that. So yeah, yeah, li- life's pretty good right now. For those listening to the audio version, Darren just held up a uh, Lone Star beer can so, to the camera. <laughs> so I am, I'm trying to reach through the uh, computer screen and uh, grab that bad boy because I'm low on beer right now. So... Uh, we also have a guest today. Thank you so much, uh, Eric, for uh, coming on uh, and uh, doing this uh, virtual uh, interview. Uh, for those who don't know uh, who Eric is, um, we have a podcast where we actually uh, did a full interview with Eric. Uh, Eric is an editor and writer at uh, uh, Culture Map Houston. Uh, Eric, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Trying to practice that social distancing as much as possible. Um, I know the the new rules kind of came out for the uh, COVID-19. I know it kind of included restaurants. It also included, I think, libraries and museums and, and other things. I mean, we're going to concentrate on the restaurant uh, side of things. Um, how how did you kind of take what was kind of presented to the restaurant tours? Well, it's obviously only a temporary measure. I mean, you know, 25% occupancy is certainly not a path to profitability for anybody. So this is kind of dipping our toes in the water. We'll do this for two weeks. We'll see what happens to the number of cases. And if they if they stay this flat or go down, then we can start to expand capacity. And obviously, if they, if they go up, then we'll have to rethink this whole thing and probably go back to uh, no dine-in at all. Have you got any feedback, um, Eric, from you know, your friends and your connections in the restaurant industry about how they feel about the announcement from Greg, Ab- Greg Abbott saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to open this up a little bit. I'll give you 25% capacity. Have you got any feedback on that? Well, I mean, I've gotten emails and messages uh, for the last uh, 24 hours from places that can't wait to open their doors. So I'd say there's a lot of excitement. Uh, I've also heard from a lot of people who, aren't ready to open and, and, you know, so we're, it's going to be really split, I think, depending on, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, you are in touch with, with more folks than us, but the ones that I've been able to reach out to and have a conversation with, uh, you know, they're excited as well, right? They, they really want to get the people and the foot traffic and the sales going again. A lot of them don't know how they're going to, at 25% capacity, uh, but a lot of them are willing to try, right? And so uh, I see the silver lining in this whole opportunity, and that's exactly what it is, not a mandate, but an opportunity for those restaurants who are already doing curbside and to go orders to maybe set aside 25% of their tables and say, hey, look, if you want to come sit down and have a meal, come have a meal. But, But we're also going to include and continue to do what we've been doing for the last 45 days. Does that make sense? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think restaurants that will have to continue to go in some form or another, because there's a whole lot of people who don't feel ready to eat in a dining room. And, and, and I count myself as, as one of them. I mean, you know, Texas is at the low end of the States in terms of the testing. So we don't really know how many of our friends, neighbors, fellow citizens are sick. Mm-hmm. it's possible to catch this disease from people who are asymptomatic. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, people who want to eat in dining rooms, that's, that's certainly their choice. And, and the law will now 
allow that. But personally, I mean, I might, I might find a margarita on a patio somewhere this weekend, but I, I don't think I'm entering <laughs> a dining room for a while. How have you been enjoying kind of the, the curbside? I know it's, it's not a full substitution for the restaurant, but I think some guys have kind of actually upped the curbside game. Yeah, I've had some very good curbside experiences. I mean, I, I keep talking about a trip to Etoile a few weeks ago where I had a shrimp risotto where the, the shrimp were nice and plump and juicy and the asparagus still had some chew in it. It didn't, it didn't steam all the way into mush in the box, which I thought was, was pretty impressive. I had a killer Nashville hot chicken sandwich from Backstreet Cafe last week. I've had, I've had good sushi from both Katarobata and Kokoro at Bravery Chef Hall. So, yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed by the diversity of the offerings. You know, usually my to-go ordering is, is limited to kind of the usual stuff, you know, American-style Chinese food, pizza, pasta, burgers. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, this, uh, you know, this situation has led to a much broader way of, of takeout options, and I've been trying to enjoy my way through at least, you know, what I can reasonably afford to and what has kind of made sense. As far as yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, you know, along the same lines of curbside, Connor mentioned that, that you know companies have figured this out, right? Those who weren't doing it before are now finding life um, in curbside pickup, at least temporarily. You think it's something that's going to stick around? You think it's something that people continue the channel of revenue they'll continue to keep after this COVID nineteen thing? I mean, I certainly hope so because we don't really know when this COVID nineteen thing is going to end. I mean, we could be a year or more away from a vaccine. So I think that, that we're going to be living in this moment for a while. And, and also I, I think people just like it. You know, I mean, I went to truth barbecue. I ordered online. I pulled up to the parking lot. They ran it out to me. I didn't have to stand in the line. The barbecue was hot and fresh. I got it home. It was delicious. I mean, it, you know, that's, that's very appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah, barbecue doesn't reheat too well, typically, but if you get it the same day, right, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. What has been kind of the first steps that these uh, restaurateurs have taken, Eric, if you've, if you've had any con- conversations, and you don't have to, you know, call out anybody specifically, but as far as what you're hearing, what are the first steps that they're doing now with the new regulations? Well, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that they sort of have to do right? They have to add hand sanitizing stations at the entrance. You know, customers are encouraged to wash their hands when they walk into a restaurant. They're urged to wash their hands after they sign their check. So, you know, they need that. They need to come up with a seating plan. They need to move their tables farther apart or, you know, like Federal Grill um, has white tablecloths for tables people can't sit at and black tablecloths for tables people can't sit at to sort of you know, stipulate where, uh, where you can and can't sit smart. They need to think about sanitation procedures. They need to think about a restroom policy because you probably don't want more than one person in there at a time. Mm. They probably need to designate an employee to monitor that and to be in charge of these procedures. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into thinking about reopening and then that doesn't even account for deciding which staff you're going to bring back on ordering product, getting everything ready. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, this is a very complicated process. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of restaurants are deciding that, you know, 25% is not worth the effort of going through it. Yeah. We've heard that um, at least the restaurants that I've spoken to as well, are they're doing double time on checking to see if employees will come back. 
because those that weren't furloughed or those who were collecting unemployment now are in a pretty positive position and are not sure they want to come back and work for minimum wage plus tips for, you know, 25% of the dining room. Have you heard anything about that from any of your, your connections? I mean, I haven't heard that specifically, you know, the, the couple of people I've talked to that are in that part of the world are, I mean, they, they miss their jobs, right? They miss the structure. They miss the, the respect and the dignity that having a full-time job provides. I mean, obviously, you know, unemployment with that federal boost is, you know, it's sustaining people, but you know, I don't think anything can replace the the satisfaction of uh, an honest day's work, but I mean, you still have to account for your personal safety and and they have the same, the same concerns about being in the dining room that I do. Mm -hmm. Out of the restaurants in Houston, um, Eric, how many, you know, about a percentage, if you if you can kind of ballpark it, are kind of saying, "Hey, we're at least looking to try and open up next week." I mean, I've I've heard from dozens and dozens. I mean, I I can't, I, I probably don't have a broad enough spectrum to say a percentage, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, some combination of to go and also dine in. I mean, I I would think it's got to be close to half, maybe even more than that. Wow. Well, that's a lot higher than I was, I was anticipating, but I'm glad that it's going to be more, you know, um, I think kind of like what you said, if you're not ready to go out and dine, that's okay. But there is an option for individuals to dine at and to get full service and for servers to get back to work. If that's something somebody wants to do and an operator is taking those precautions seriously, I think that that's actually a, you know, a solid option for everybody. Well, yeah, and I think the decision to dine or not to dine depends on which side of the political social media echo chamber you're in, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. If you're yeah. if you're on one side of that divide, then everything that you're saying you're seeing is we don't have enough testing, we're not ready, we don't know, we're not we're not doing it. If you're on the other side, it's we got to get the economy going again. The threat is overblown. The the time has come, right. and and so there are. You know, Federal Grill had a full dining, well, a, a full, a 30% capacity dining room uh, every day this weekend, and that's with all the outcry on social media. I heard from a representative for Tony's today. They're fully booked for Friday, filling up for Saturday. So, I, I mean, there are, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for people to see whichever side they're not on, right? It's hard for people to see the other perspective, but... There are, there are very passionate people on both sides, and there are plenty of people who can't, who can't wait to go out to eat. Have you talked to anybody from the Texas Restaurant Association? I know that they've been in relatively good communication with the government as far as what they'd like the government to impose. I know that they are kind of just a board and not really going to be able to go in and like shut somebody down or anything along those lines. But have you talked to anybody from the Texas Restaurant Association and, and seen how they've reacted to what the governor has allowed? Yeah, no, they, I mean, they've been, I, I have, I participated in a press conference that they held Monday afternoon after the governor's announcement. Um, they recognize that this is a preliminary step. They recognize that, again, that 25% isn't a path to profitability for anybody. Uh, they have promulgated something called the Texas Restaurant Promise. Uh, a series of procedures that you'll see a lot of restaurants adopting. And so they've been very engaged in kind of guiding this process and trying to be a voice for restaurants. 
you know, whether those guidelines go far enough, like for example, the government or the, the governor's uh, declaration suggests wearing a face covering for restaurant employees. It doesn't mandate it. Uh, personally, I'm not going into a restaurant where the employees are not wearing some sort of face covering. So, you know, I, I think they, it's, it's maybe not, not as restricted as I would like it to be, but then, you know, it's up to each diner to kind of look at a restaurant's policies and decide for him or herself, whether you feel comfortable with what they're doing or if you're not ready to go back there yet. So do you think restaurants then need to almost communicate as much as possible? Like, Hey, we are going to mandate masks or something, or, Hey, we are going to take these recommendations and turn them into actual policy so that someone like yourself, if, if you walk into a restaurant, they're not, you know, wearing masks, you're not all of a sudden like, Oh, what the heck's going on? Oh yeah, no, I, I think, Restaurants need to be as proactive as they can be. Use their social media channels. Be prepared to answer questions. These are the things we're doing. You know, I saw that Pico's is putting in plexiglass partitions at their bar. They're going to have some partitions between tables. You know, post those photos. Show people what you're doing. Post your policies. Tell us what you're communicating. I mean, it's, it's always better to be upfront and communicate and proactive than to surprise people. And then on I, the, oh, like, yeah, I was thinking at a time like this, over communication is more important than under communication. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that the restaurants that have had some success in this, you know, to go only era have been the ones that have been proactive about communicating. You know, I get an email from a boozy almost every day. I, I'm sure you guys get Russell Regal's emails that go out <laughs> almost every day. You know, I like knowing what's going on. So yeah. you can't, you almost, you can't communicate enough at this point. On the customer side, what do you think would be reasonable expectations, not just for yourself, you know, as a, as a food critic and as a reporter, but as a regular diner, what do you think are some realistic expectations these guys or some changes in their mindset that they may have to have going forward, whether that's, okay, you know, Tris is not going to have the menu Tris had before, you know, and I know you talked to Chef Austin Simmons about, you know, that. What do you think are some kind of general expectations? Well, you know, expect that some of the niceties may not be in place right away, right? You may be using disposable silverware. You will certainly be using a paper menu. You, your movements will be limited. You will be expected to maintain six feet of distance from other tables. You will be expected to wait your turn to use the restroom. You will be expected to wash your hands when you enter. I mean, you know, if you, if you want to be a part of this right now, then you have to expect that there will be some minor inconveniences associated with showing respect to both the staff and the other diners in the restaurant. Yeah. You know, I was along the lines of changes, right. And, and expectations of managing those, whether it be COVID-19 or whether it be oil, the oil market right now, do you see the landscape of restaurants and the service that they give and the menus they offer changing going forward um, to something that we've not seen before? I mean, I, I really think it's, it's hard to say, you know, we, uh, yes. I mean, a downturn in the oil market will undoubtedly affect the economy in Houston, which will affect the restaurants, but the extent to which 
we'll be living with those repercussions and how long. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's too soon to, I, I, I know that there will, something will happen, but predicting exactly what will happen is uh, beyond my crystal ball. I'm afraid. (laughs) Well, you beat me to it. Your crystal ball is clearer than mine, but obviously not clear enough for, for you to share with us. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I would love to be able to predict (laughs) what is and isn't going to happen. I'm, you know, I, a restaurant that people swore to me was never coming back. It's gone. It's gone. I got an email today saying, yeah, we're looking at reopening. We'll have the details for you in a week or two. It's like, oh, well, I guess those rumors were wrong. So I'm glad I didn't publish (laughs) anything that that place wasn't coming back. That's right. It's a good thing you didn't sell all your stock in that restaurant, right? Right. Well, Eric, if you uh, have anything that, you know, you want to say to the restaurateurs or, you know, even to diners or something, what, you know, what, what do you have to say in this kind of time that we're living in? I mean, I, I just really think it's up to people who, you know, look at the data, consider their own situation and then make their own decision. I, like I said, I am not personally ready to sit in a dining room full of strangers where I don't know what they you know, what they've been doing these last six weeks. I, I'm not comfortable with that. I feel better about being on a patio where there's fresh air. It's not recirculating where I can be distant, you know, at a place where the servers are wearing masks and there's, they're either wearing gloves or they're, they have a very clear hand-washing policy with restaurateurs that I know and feel comfortable with. So, you know, I think that's going to be my first step back into this world. Mm -hmm. But I do recognize that there are people who are ready to have uh, a more full experience and that they will be in dining rooms. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, fingers crossed that, that as a society that this works out well and that uh, nobody, nobody gets, I mean, you know, there will be an increase in the number of cases right? As we, as we start coming into contact with each other Mm -hmm. and the issue really is like, you know, can our, can our society sort of sustain that or do we need to go back to the way things have been the last six weeks? Darren, you got anything else? I know it's kind of hard. over. I I agree with Eric. I I agree with a slow approach, you know, by, by, by our governor to uh, provide some hope to provide some options and opportunities for restaurants and and the owners of those restaurants. I'm glad he left it in the hands of them to make those decisions because, you know, you know, equal opportunity doesn't create um, equal outcome. And so each restaurant has to understand what their opportunities are, whether it's a good fit or not. So I'm glad Um, I'm excited about the day. We all get to go break bread again together and have some drinks. Um, And I, but I think it's going to be slow rolling for a while. And uh, that will rely because food is so emotional and people are emotional that want to go out to eat. And uh, there has to be a real sense of uh, security for people to get back out of their houses now. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Eric, you'll be the first person that I reach out to to see if you want to go grab something to eat. <laughs> well, I appreciate maybe Connor, that. Yeah. Maybe Connor, but Eric is as well. So yeah, we can, we can all go, uh, we can all find uh, someplace to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I want that too. Um, you know, I get, I get no greater joy than a meal with friends at a restaurant. Um, but I just don't quite feel ready for that yet. Of course. Of course. 
Yeah. The only <clears> thing I'll add on to all of that is just everybody be kind to each other. You know, everybody please understand, you know, whether it's the operator saying I want to open or an operator saying I, I'm not ready to open. You know, everybody just needs to have a little bit more understanding um, as everybody's trying to navigate these uncharted waters. So, uh, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast again, and especially at a time like this to give as much information to our listeners and to provide Darren and I with so much information as well. We really appreciate it, Eric. Well, it's, it's good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, y'all. So thank y'all so much. Um, everybody, you know, if you haven't already, go and uh, like and subscribe to the Eric Sandler podcast, What's Eric Eating? Um, and then uh, go out and support local if you can.